Up ahead, I could see two houses, traditional clapboard farmhouses, two stories high, with deeply set wraparound porches, huge maples shading the front yards and gravel driveways leading to side doors. The two houses were perhaps 200 yards apart. They might belong to different families, and from what little I could glean from Victoria's few remarks, they did, but they were alike as twins. Form follows function, probably. Both were at least half a century old, perhaps older. We turned in at the first drive. Someone was waiting for us at the end. I must admit that my heart thumped a bit faster for an instant when I recognized Carver Ellis. Not that there is anything between us, romantically, I mean. Even if I were in the market for a boyfriend, much less a significant other, how I hate that phrase, there would be nothing between us. Chronologically, he's still pretty much just a kid, nearly a decade younger than my own 29 years. But at times he seems even younger than that. I think there may be something developmentally not quite right. He's not slow mentally, nothing like that. But occasionally there is the sense about him that he's not as mature, not as adaptable to change or challenges, not as, well, not as adult as his years would suggest. He's often more childlike than I expect, frequently surprising me. Not childish, just childlike, innocent. Well, I suppose that innocent is not exactly the right word, but perhaps you know what I mean. Still, my heart flipped over one or two beats when I saw him standing there waiting for us. Because Carver Ellis is beautiful. I know, I shouldn't use that word for a young man, but it is the only one that truly fits. Muscular in all the right ways. The ways that suggest hard work, and lots of it, rather than narcissistic afternoon visits to a gym. Add to that a perfectly chiseled face. Startlingly blue eyes. Blonde hair bleached almost white by daily exposure to the sun. Deep, even tan. I knew what his torso looked like because I had seen him once or twice shirtless as he worked around Victoria's place. But I strongly suspected that not too far south of his waistline the tan would suddenly vanish. Not that I ever expected, or in fact wanted to actually verify that by personal observation— But I knew that he supported his widowed mother and that there were more than enough calls for his skill as a handyman to keep him too busy to lounge around in the sun working on a tan. Yes, the boy was beautiful. But as I drove closer, I noted something else. This morning, underneath his tan, his skin was almost deathly pallid. His face seemed drawn and his hair was disheveled, as if he had jumped out of bed and finger-combed it on his way out rather than spending any time in front of a mirror. And, closer yet, I could see that his hands were trembling. Victoria, I said, keeping my eyes on Carver's distraught face, what's wrong? I don't know for sure. Carver can be, well, scattered when he's worried, and right now I think he's plenty worried. She was out of the car before I turned the engine off, standing next to Carver with her hand on his shoulder. A bit of a reach, actually, since he was a good head taller than she was. I didn't hear what she asked him, but by the time he answered, I was almost even with Victoria, and I heard him.
I heard him just fine. It's Rick Johansson from next door. He's dead.